Can you guys hear me? Sorry, hold on. 32 super fans. I, I couldn't understand a word that was said. Every angle of the NFL covered. You fired up for that, man? Huh? This. We on go time. We, we still on go. Hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane. This is Next Fan Up. We're live, bro. Greetings and salutation, and welcome to week 11 of the Next Fan Dog Podcast for the NFL season. I am James, your Eagles fan here, joined once again by Kevin, our Cowboys fan. And Kevin, uh, nice bounce back week. How you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling good. Miss MJ right about now. Um, yeah, wasn't expecting that, obviously, to say the least, but Feels good. Feels real good. We'll see how we'll see how this week fares us, treats us. Did, did you pay attention to what happened in Denver? Because that's what you all were supposed to do last week. I did. I, I told you last week on the podcast. I I thought the Eagles had a chance. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't expecting the coaching to actually be competent this week. Uh, let's get a few housekeeping things out the way. Fans, if you want to reach out to us on any platform, you can reach us via email at nextfanup at gmail on Twitter or on Facebook at Next Fan Up. And before we get into the, this week's games, uh, Kevin, let's start with some news that, you know, probably big to others than most, but something I feel that is very important. And it's the NFL's policy with COVID protocols and testing around this holiday uh, season, specifically Thanksgiving coming up next week. And they're going to intensify the COVID-19 protocols. Now, for those who are unaware, testing for players is mandatory. Uh, the only difference is the frequency based on whether you are vaccinated or unvaccinated. And that goes for players, staff at a team facility, coaches, whoever comes in and out those doors on a regular basis. Not to mention, and I didn't realize this, Kevin, that security cameras as well are part of these protocols. So the short version is, is that um, between November 25th and December, through December 1st, everybody inside the facility, whether you're vaccinated or not, will be tested every single day during that time frame. That doesn't matter who you are. And the league will be doing, quote, its due diligence to check team security cameras more frequently to follow around players who are, you know, to, to make sure teams and facilities are cooperating with these protocols <laughs> kevin you're chuckling <laughs> what's on your mind oh i just think that's a little funny he's spying on people oh we've reached a new low um no i mean i'm all in favor of uh as many te- as much testing as possible of course um but you know there's not much to say about this. You know, it's just funny, the extra attention being paid to the security cameras. I mean, obviously, they don't trust anyone. I wouldn't trust anyone either. So they obviously I, want I the mean, games to go hey, on without a hitch. We, yeah. We, we did have Karen Rogers a couple of weeks ago. And, yes, I, I said Karen Rogers on purpose. That that will be his name for the rest of the season. <laughs> I, I mean, c- come on. I, I don't blame – I mean, I blame the league – and I don't blame the league. I blame the league for letting that situation go on that long. I don't blame them for monitoring security cameras because if Karen can do it, then who's to say other teams won't let other star players skirt the rules? 
So yeah, oh, yeah, completely agree. But the question is, are they how? how uh, what is their due diligence going to be in monitoring those security cameras, or will they turn a blind eye to said star players, which they very well could be, because you know it's the NFL. True, true. And, and on a lesser note, a story I was hoping that I uh, wouldn't have to uh, pay any attention to whatsoever. And where I really wish Monty was on this week, former Raiders coach John Gruden is suing the NFL (laughs) um, over the leaked emails that resulted in him ultimately being fired from the Raiders. Um, He is contending uh, defamation of character and other various things. Um, What's the odds of this basically just him trying to keep his name in the public spotlight and or is, do you think this is more so of him trying to get those sealed and redacted documents available to the public so he can put out there who he was communicating with other than the former GM, Allen, of the Washington football team? Yeah, I think he wants people to go down down, down with him on the ship. Um, and if I was him, I would want that too because, granted, he was wrong in every sense of the word, but um, he obviously was communicating with more than just Bruce Allen. And, uh, you know, it's only fair if uh, they go down with the ship too. And, you know, I'd be a little pissed too, if I was the, if I was the sole one taking all, all this heat, even though what he did was obviously wrong and it it was, uh, you know, inexcusable, but like, you know, let's, let's see what else is out there. And I think that's what he wants. If I go down, you come with me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A little bitterness, but, you know, I'll be bitter too. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right, and the last thing I want to touch on, uh, our power rankings um, this week are, to say they were in probably the most flux they've been in in a while is an understatement. I, I will mention that four teams that were uh, received first place votes this week with the Bucks being the lowest ranked of those four uh, coming in at number six. Uh, the top three teams in the power rankings all received at least one first place vote. Uh, there are 10 teams that have very high double digit differentials as far as their ranking. Uh, the 49ers being the biggest outlier. Someone in our power rankings ranked them as high as 11th and their lowest ranking came in at 28. Uh, The only unifying factor amongst everyone in in our Slack group who did the power rankings is the Detroit Lions still hold steady at 32, with the exception of two folks who decided to rank them at 31 because they ranked Houston at 32. Damn, what did Houston do? Weren't they on by last week? (laughs) Yeah, and, and no, Detroit tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Houston was on a bye. Yeah, yeah, so... I mean, I guess, I guess that makes a little sense. I, I guess either way, was good enough to move them up one spot. I, I don't see how. I mean, <laughs> against Mason Rudolph. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, we're going to get into Pittsburgh in this situation a little later in this show because you know people not want to take care of themselves. <laughs> Look, folks. Way back when we would say it's flu season, and even on this podcast, we joke about the silent killer and people having illnesses, and you know, we attest that to the flu. But now that we live in a COVID world where people have their own opinions about how they want to take care of their bodies and what they feel about the vaccine, we're not going to get to all that here. This is now what I dub 
cold COVID and flu season. So if someone gets sick this time of year, you're a little bit more apprehensive to be in their personal space because you're not really sure what they have. I will say, do your due diligence, protect yourself as best as possible. With that said, uh, let's jump right into Thursday night football on NFL Network. The New England Patriots are coming to Atlanta to play the Falcons. The Patriots come in in our power rankings, excuse me, up three spots from 13 to 10. The Falcons fall from 20 to 26. The spread in this game is the Patriots by seven. Uh, based on the pick sheet, I'm pretty sure, Kevin, you're going to join us here and jumping on the Patriots bandwagon uh, for this one. But before we get to your input, Pat and MJ do send us a little correspondence here. And we'll start with Pat, our Patriots fan. He says, the knocking is getting louder. And with another victory, two games over 500, the Patriots are about to kick the door in on the way to the playoffs. The power rankings reflect this is a top 10 team in the NFL right now, although considering every team sucks and no one wants to be the number one team, not sure what that really says. The Falcons have had an up and down season of their own. I expect more from them this season, but with Calvin Ridley off taking care of his mental health and a game time decision on Cordero Patterson, you're welcome for your career, FYI, Cordero. I don't see the Falcons being able to challenge the Patriots team growing into their own and firing on all cylinders. Patriots D should handle the Falcons with ease. Patriots offense should find little pushback from the Falcons just for fun. Let's say Patriots win 28 to three. Uh, that's a bit oh, foul. Wow. That's so foul. I, I see what he did there, but that, that, that is definitely punching below the belt. P.S. I would expect Kyle Pitts to be neutralized in this game. I wouldn't be surprised to see Russell Gage or Olamati Zacharias, I don't know his name, asked MJ to get some surprising stats by the end of this one. And MJ, <laughs> MJ counters with a little meme from Friday <laughs> with Smokey waving him off, uh, to which he says, uh, in case I don't make it, been feeling like crap all day. Okay, we hope you feel better, MJ. Uh, this week, the Dirty Birds have had a short week. We got our asses handed to us by the Cowboys, and we are facing a team that gave us an embarrassing defeat in the Super Bowl. The team is suffering a lot right now. Our best receiver is taking a break from the game to work on his mental health, and no real fan of the game or the team will have anything negative to say about that. Take care of yourself, Calvin. We are all here to support you, and we've got your back. Our best utility player may or may not play this week. He has an ankle injury but has practiced all week, so – Look for his status to be a game-time decision. Our best receiving option is a rookie tight end who, despite an amazing future ahead of him, has only had a glimpse of greatness thus far. Needless to say, this game is against the Patriots. It's going to be one hell of a game. One thing Belichick is great at is taking away your best, op your best offensive option and making you beat him with whatever else you have left. If he truly does that, we're in trouble. The Dirty Birds don't have much of a run game but it's just enough to make you look twice at an offensive formation that initially looks like a run play. If the offense can disguise what the play really is and confuse the Patriots' defense, we might stand a chance of winning. If the Dirty Birds' defense can't hold it together for four solid quarters, make some key stops, and don't let, <laughs> let it get much behind them, they can keep this game close and hopefully give the offense the help and the breaks that it will need. 
I'm not going to call a score prediction of, on this game as I really just don't want to, but also due to the up-and-down nature of the Dirty Birds this season, I just don't know which version of the team will be out there on the field. Kevin, your thoughts here before I get to the injuries. Mm. Well, MJ, I love his optimism every week. I really do. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I just don't see the Falcons winning this game, as he mentioned, and and as uh, Pat mentioned, there's going to be no Calvin Ridley for the foreseeable future. I doubt Cordero Patterson plays. He was doubtful. He uh, he was listed as doubtful a few days ago. Now he's listed as a game time decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and without without Ridley, he's really their best offensive weapon besides Pitts. And you know, I expect. Billy B to do everything in his power to 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 take to to get rid of Pitts and to to limit him. So that leaves Fat Mike Davis, who you know <laughs> is not very good. Um, oh, and, it, and it leaves Russell Gage, Tajay Sharp, and Zakidius. Um, so um, I think I got his last name right. If not, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, there's just not much going on for the Falcons' offense at all, uh, as shown last week. And uh, their defense is is pretty bad. Uh, I know the the Patriots aren't the most explosive team, but they're coming off a 45 point game. Um, and you know their running game is starting to 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 get better. Mac Jones is is improving every week, it seems. So. Although this is in Atlanta, in Atlanta, I'm going with the Patriots here, close to double digits. But I'll, just, I'll give a, mm-hmm. a nine point win, a nine point win by the Patriots. All right. Uh, the injury report does read as follows: Cordero Patterson is, as, as mentioned earlier by everyone so far, questionable with his ankle injury, and yes, he will be a game time decision. But key names here: Hayden Hurst, the backup tight end, he's out with an ankle injury. Uh, the linebacker Darren Bates and cornerback uh, Kendall Sheffield, they are both out for this game with the growing and hamstring, respectively. Josh Andrews, their center, was added to the COVID reserve list on Tuesday, so he's out. And John Kamiski, defensive end, uh, shoulder injury is no longer on – oh, sorry, he's no longer on, listed on the injury report. So whether he plays or not, I have no idea, but so far it has him as out for the Patriots. Uh, linebacker Josh Uche, Uche, hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, has an ankle injury. He was placed on injury reserve on Wednesday. Other players showing up for the Patriots because they love flooding the injury report to keep you guessing include running back Malcolm Perry, wide receiver Nikhil Harry, running back Brandon Bowden, tight end John Smith, defensive end Dietrich Wise, linebacker Cal Benoy, safety Cal Duggar, uh, kicker Nick Folk, guard Shaq Mason, cornerback Jalen Mills, linebacker Dante Hightower, tackle Trent Brown, Jawan Bentley, and Jamie, Co- uh, Jamie Collins also show up an injury report uh, toward the linebackers. Collins was placed with injury reserve uh, just before uh, sometime this weekend. Jawan Bentley's list is questionable. All those players are listed as questionable to play on Thursday night. So keep an eye on all of them. Some of them will probably be a full go. I'm expecting most of them to be a full goal. Some of them will probably be limited in their action. Uh, we'll move on to Sunday at 1 p.m. <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts travel to Buffalo to play the Bills. 
The Colts move up one spot in our rankings from 18 to 17. The Bills climb from 6 to 4. They're seven-point favorites. And Rob, our Bills fan, sends us, uh, the Bills start a fairly hard stretch of run, hard stretch run of games uh, where they play some proper NFL teams. The season will be dictated by how this goes. They start at home against the Colts. Well-coached teams give the Bills problems more so than talent, and the Colts are on and the Colts are both on defense. I expect the Bills to see a lot of cover two this game. Feels like a big cold Beasley game if he is healthy. Bills offense got back on track last week by playing second Josh Allen much more under center, and I expect that to continue <laughs> on defense. The Bills do a good job of taking away one prominent thing from the opposing offense. I fully expect them to focus on Jonathan Taylor, make Carson Wentz beat him. Think LeBron on the Cavs the first go-around before he got Kyrie Irving. Uh, Wentz will have trouble with the Bills' top-flight defense. Bills win a fairly close game, 23-13. to 13. Do you think Rob is correct in his assessment here, Kevin? I do. Uh, I think uh, he the only th- – I really think that Jonathan Taylor is the only thing they need to worry about here. I mean, that that's uh... – it's a big thing to worry about. Uh, he'll pro- uh, he's had like a really nice stretch of games lately. Um, but uh, yeah, to his point, the Colts have a, a pretty good defense. Um, the Bills' offense line isn't always the best. Um, DeForest Buckner going up against Mitch Morse should be should be an interesting battle for for the Bills and the Colts up front. But ultimately, as he said, I think the Bills are going to try to stop Jonathan Taylor and they've been relatively good at stopping the run. I think they, they allow, they've allowed the the fewest 10 plus yard carries on the season. So they're going to try to make Carson Wentz beat them. And when Carson Wentz throws for 35 or more, 35 or more times in a game, uh, the Colts are winless on the season. So that's the recipe the Bills are going to go for. And they probably will win. Hey, look, I often said, I don't care about what the Colts do this year. As long as Carson Wentz stays healthy. Um, the second part of that is still true. The first part, however, not so much. They're, they're killing the draft pick now. It's, it, it's like 15 overall with their current 5-5 five and five record. I need them to start losing games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I need from the coach. I need them to start losing games. And, um, yeah, do, do, I, do I need it to be all on Carson Wentz? And not so much because I don't want him pulled. So if they can lose this game close, maybe say 10 points. And like you said, throwing for more than 35 times a game, they're winless this year. Cool beans. I'm all for it. But, uh, yeah, uh, look, their, their running game is phenomenal this season. They they are one of the top five teams in the league as far as rushing offense, leaning on that entire backfield. Um, it does help when they get them going because it takes pressure off Carson Wentz. But I don't know. You know, the, the Bills have been up and down lately, and, and that's been the thing with the AFC. And, and something that we'll touch on throughout this podcast these AFC teams have literally been beating each other up. And the only one who's escaped so far the crowd are the Tennessee Titans. And no one else has more than six wins outside of the Titans in the AFC. So if these teams continue to beat each other up, we'll see the Titans with the first round bye and these teams pretty much vying for division leads and, you know, wild card positioning as far as like who they want to go up against. But when you've got a bunch of teams, in the mix, what is it like? Ten to twelve teams in the AFC with like six or five wins right now. Yeah, something. That's like a that. lot of teams. 
It is so, a lot. It's competitive, competitive conference, unlike the NFC. <laughs> well, in the NFC, the top teams are getting beat by the teams who shouldn't be winning games. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm we'll all get for to the that Rams very losing. <laughs> we'll get to that very shortly. Uh, the Buffalo Bills injury report does have Cole Beasley on it with uh, ribs. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Other names showing up include linebacker Matt Milano, running back Taiwan Jones, linebacker Tremont Edwin, Edwards, excuse me, and tar- starts Latulale. The defensive tackle has been placed on a COVID list. Uh, he will not be available this week. Uh, moving on to the Colts, they have Xavier Rhodes, Brayton Smith, Darius Leonard, Dio Ibenyengbo, Eric Fisher, DeForest Buckner, TJ Carey, all listed as questionable uh, for this game. Uh, we'll move on to the next game at 1 o'clock, which has the Baltimore Ravens, who dropped from 5 to 8 after their disgusting performance on Thursday Night Football. Uh, against the Miami Dolphins, going up against Chicago Bears, who fall from 23 to 24. The Ravens are five-point favorites. Do we think that the Baltimore Ravens bounce back against the Chicago Bears here? Where is this game being played? Chicago. Oh. Well, either way, I think (laughs) they bounce back. But I just want to let the Ravens know I'm very disappointed in them. They cost me a lot of money in my survivor pool, so they can go screw themselves. <laughs> Lamar, the only time I ever rooted for you in my life, and that's the performance you, you put out there for me. God have mercy. Can't even beat a blitz. All you have to do is throw it over the middle of the field. God have mercy. Oh, my God. Well, still... he wasn't getting much help in that game against the Dolphins. Receivers dropped more than their fair share of passes. The running backs couldn't break through the line of scrimmage, and the defense pretty much let the quarterback combination of Jacoby Brissett and Tua Tungavailoa torch them when it mattered most. Yeah, they had some mishaps in the secondary, some miscommunications for sure. All around, it was a poor effort on both sides of the ball for them, but I do expect them to bounce back. Uh, Harbaugh is a really good coach. Uh, Lamar is is really good player. So you know, I, and the Bears are just a bad team. Um, so we don't think the bye week. Well, yeah, the, the Bears are coming off a bye, so we don't think the bye week helped Justin Fields in any way whatsoever. Um, no. <laughs> I mean, I know, I, I know he he the the fourth quarter in the Steelers game he 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 started making plays, but you know the first two and a half three quarters, uh, nothing was really there for him. And I, I I just need to see Justin Fields do it for you know a few games in a row to to really have confidence in him. And you know that I don't have any confidence in him whatsoever. And I know the Ravens secondary has been suspect a little bit so far in the year. They've been up and down, but the the Bears passing offense is dreadful. Allen Robinson is is nowhere to be seen this year, partly because of combination of Justin Fields and Andy Dalton not being able to get on the ball, and if the Ravens want want to be serious contenders in the AFC, they have to win this game, and that's the bottom line. So I look for them to bounce back. Maybe it will be a, maybe it will be a close first half, but ultimately I, I think the Ravens pull away, win pretty handily. Uh, hopefully they lose though, so other people can feel my survivor pain. <laughs> yeah, the Ravens definitely need to bounce back winning this one because they were right up there with the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, ha- having the string of victories that they had, you know, 
over the Chargers, over the Vikings, and then they go into that last Thursday night and just crap the bed, something ugly. In the game, everyone fully expected them to beat the brakes off Miami, and it it just wasn't. And even when you thought, okay, this is the drive where they finally go ahead by a point or two, they – yeah. but it just didn't uh, happen. uh, I I thought when they – this we're digressing a little bit, but I thought when they closed it in to 15 to 10 – they were going to win, and then they had that miscommunication in the secondary where Albert Wilson went like 70 yards, pretty much sealed the deal. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a breaking coverage. But, uh, look, like I said before, someone else on this Raven squad, like, look, it, it's a young receiving core because they, they really haven't had uh, Sammy Watkins the entirety of the season, and when they have had him, he's not been in the game that much. And he's really the only, like – long-tenured veteran presence as far as been in in the league that long, you got to remember, Jackson's primary targets, the tight ends, the rest of his receiving core, they were all drafted pretty much within the last several years like he was. So they don't have much more experience than than him. So I I say there's a bit of veteran savvy missing from his receiving group in, in that guy's knowing I could look at Jackson, make this check with me, run this route. I'm guaranteed to get open because of the coverages that we're getting. And he can hit me between the numbers, automatic five to seven yard catch. And, and they don't have that right now. You know, so, so Brown is basically just a deep speed guy. And even when he catches the intermediate route, he's constantly turning around and running five yards in the wrong direction to try to get leverage to go upfield. And sometimes, you know, you don't have to make everything a big play. You turn around, see the defender in front of you, dive forward to get a couple more yards. You're going to get tackled regardless. But backing up five yards to try to get ten, not really helping this offense that much. And the running game, I'm not going to say some teams have solved it, but there need to be more audibles as far as here's eight in the box, this is what we do, instead of just relying on Lamar Jackson to make something magical happen all the time. Uh Big names on the Ravens injury report include Latavius Murray with an ankle injury, Marquise Brown with a thigh, Jimmy Smith, the cornerback, Bradley Bozeman, the guard, and Lamar um, missed practice on Wednesday with a non-COVID illness, as is being reported. Uh, Patrick McCarry, the other guard, along with Brandon Williams, the defensive tackle, also show up as questionable, and Derek Wolf will remain on injury reserve for the end of the season so he will not be back at all this year uh for the chicago bears they're coming off the bye as i said damian williams listed as questionable with a knee and other players showing up include danny trevathan akeem hicks daryl mooney alan robinson uh didn't practice on wednesday due to a hamstring injury uh tevin jenkins their tackle uh will return from injury reserve this week what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The next game on the docket here, (laughs) good old 32, the Detroit Lions visiting the Cleveland Browns. The Lions 
coming off a tie last week, holding at 32 last in our power rankings. Cleveland Browns fall from 12 to 16 after getting mollywopped by the Patriots. But the Browns are 10-point favorites at home. Our power rankings and our shadowy background figure are picking the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and, and, Kevin, before I get your insight, I am calling for the Detroit Lions to get their first win of the season only if, only if Baker Mayfield does not play. That mm-hmm. is the only way I see Detroit winning this game. If Baker plays in this game in any way, shape, and form, and he's at least 80%, I think the Browns pull this out. Um, I think the beating they took last week to the Patriots does more than humble them. It, it refocuses them because, again, every time the media validates the Browns, you get last week. And whenever we trash the Browns, you pretty much get what we expect to see this coming week and them maybe – I'm not going to say they're going to destroy the Lions, but this is a game that they have no business losing. Your yeah, yeah, I mean, they have no business losing this game whatsoever. Um, and, you know, they're still in the AFC North Division race, um, courtesy of the Ravens loss and the Steelers tie. And the Bengals were on a bye, so yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think they're going to destroy the Lions, but I think they will win. Baker Mayfield just hasn't been playing well this year. I know he's been hurt. Um, been hurt pretty bad. A lot of different injuries. But he just seems to be, honestly, holding the offense back a little bit. And I know they don't have any better options at quarterback. Case Keenum's there, although he did win a game for them this season. It's just tough to figure out the Browns right now. Um, not sure if Nick Chubb's going to play. Um, so that would be, I would be interested to see that if he does play, then, you know, it might not matter who the quarterback is for the Browns because he might get 35 carries, but Jared Goff's not also playing. He might not play for the lions. And if he doesn't play, that could be a good thing. That could be a good thing for the lions because he's obviously not very good. And, uh, maybe the lions have figured something out though, because they gave the ball to Deandre Swift 30 plus times last week against the Steelers. Indeed. And that's something they need to do more often. Maybe not 30-plus times a game, but, you know, early in the season they were giving them like six, seven carries a game, add in five or six receptions. No, that's not going to cut it. You need to give this man, the best player in your offense, at least 15 to 20 touches a game, and, and we'll see how it goes. But ultimately, Browns obviously, as we said, have no business losing this game. I'm sure – this defense is pissed off giving up 45 points to the Patriots, Miles Garrett and, and company. And uh, yeah, maybe not a blowout, but lion, I mean, excuse me, the Browns, Browns should win by about 10 points. I would say. Hey, look, I, all I got to say is if the Browns want to look for a way to frustrate and beat the lions, they could easily scroll back a couple of weeks and look what Philly's offense did is, you got the ground game. And, yes, uh, Nick Chubb is going to miss this game uh, with an illness. He's still on the COVID reserve list. Kareem Hunt has not been activated from injury reserve left yet. So uh, he's going to miss another week. 
So it falls on Dearness Johnson as the primary back. And my thing is, look, you still got the offensive line. Turn around, give it to Dearness Johnson. Whether Baker plays or not, whether he's 100% or not, limit his throwing. You know, make everything play action um, so he can hit Landry. And, and keep it simple. Like, there's no reason to call five wide at all. There's no reason, you know, to spread the ball out. Go double tight end. Um personnel, you know, rotate in whoever else is behind uh Darius Johnson and and just pound away with the rock. Just make it simple. Plus, you're at home in Cleveland this week. Pretty sure temperatures dropping. The the Lions are a dome team. After a while they're not gonna want to be out there. Uh other names on the Browns injury report include Tack McKinley, Donovan Peoples Jones, each uh limited in practice with a growing injury. Uh, Malik Jackson and Jadavian Clowney defensive linemen show up as questionable as well. Jarvis Landry, Anthony Swartz, their wide receivers, knee and concussion protocol respectively. Of course, Baker Mayfield is nursing left shoulder, foot, and knee, so he didn't practice on Wednesday. Cornerbacks, A.J. Green and Troy Hill. Uh, concussion protocol and the next spring, respectively, are each listed as questionable for this game as well. And for the Detroit Lions, Running backs Jamal Williams, DeAndre Smith, thigh and shoulder, respectively, show up on the report along with Jared Goff, who's nursing an oblique. Uh, and third running back, Jamar Jefferson, nursing an ankle injury. So, look, whoever's the healthiest of the bunch, as Kevin said, give them the ball. <laughs> Lean on the running backs because you, you don't have the receiving core to, to keep up with literally any team in the league. So make things simple on yourself and, and, and just do it that way, Detroit. But, yeah, like I said, if Baker's not able to go as pulled from the game in any way, shape, or form, I don't see how Baltimore, uh, the, excuse me, the Lions don't get their first one of the season. Uh, moving on to the next game here, we have the Houston Texans visiting the Tennessee Titans. Mm-mm-mm. Texans holding steady at 31 in our power rankings. The Titans move up from four to two. Titans are a 10-point favorite in this game. Uh, our shadowy background figure is locking in the Titans. And Jordan, our Titans fans, sends us this. Not much to preview in this one, so instead I'll share a stat. 82 different players have taken a snap for the Titans this season. I believe I believe team with the next highest this season is in the 60s. The NFL record is 84. It's only week 11. How often is the most injured team also the number one seed? It's just incredible. Eventually, these injuries will catch up with us, but not against the Texans. Titans 30, Texans 20. Edit, one other stat, the Titans are 7-0 against playoff teams from last year. Uh, Kevin, would you like to pro- provide any analysis uh, to that? Well, those were some lovely stats by uh, our Titans superfan. And the thing I love about Jordan is he never gets too high on the Titans. He, he he always is, you know, very cautiously optimistic and has his head on his shoulders. And that's more than I can say for some superfans, including myself. But we, there's not much to say about this game, as he said. Like, the Texans are garbage. The Titans are probably just going to pound the rock in this one. Texans aren't very good at stopping the run. Well, they're not good at very many things, but Tannehill probably will have an easy day, day in the pocket. 
He'll pass when he needs to pass. But yeah, this game should. I'm surprised it's only a 10 point spread, honestly. I mean, if Derrick Henry was on this team still, or not on this team still, if he was not injured, probably like a f- way higher than that, I would imagine. But 10 points is. It's crazy to me. I thought it would be higher than that, considering this this year we've had some like 15, 16 point spreads again in games like these. So give me the Titans in the cover. Ten points more. <laughs> That's all I have to well, say. Also, well, look, I, I, I take two things away from your confusion over just a 10 point spread. One, it's a divisional game and two, see Monday night. Um, <laughs> We'll get to the Rams and Niners later on in the show. But Look, Tyrod Taylor's back, and that's saying that's a a great upgrade for the Texans' offense, but he's definitely a lot better than Davis Mills, who they were trotting out there for the five to seven weeks that, you know, Tyrod couldn't go. And granted, maybe Tyrod needed another week to get fully healthy. Um, Honestly, at this point, Houston just needs to protect draft position. I really wouldn't have brought Tyrod back at – I mean – But, you know, that, that all is contingent on how many of their picks they still have because I know they're still trying to somehow get first-round picks. But th- th- this is just where the Texans are right now. They're, they're, they're looking towards the draft at this point. We, we, we know that overall they're not a team that should be on the football field competing with anybody. But in a vacuum, Kevin, if the Texans were to play the Lions, who would you pick? Hmm. Probably the Lions at this point in time. If you had asked me a few weeks ago or early in the beginning of the season, I would have said the Texans. But at this point in time, probably the Lions. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'd probably roll with the Texans. And again, it's a Tyrod Taylor factor. I, I think there's more talent on the Texans than there is the Lions because, I mean, defensively, they have no identity. Uh, and offensively, Jared Goff is pretty much making all the critics look right that he can't do anything at quarterback um but the texans i i can't call it like they get talent and sometimes it's mismanaged but it's there and sometimes their talent over overshadows their coaching uh maybe this will be a game that that happens i i don't think again it's a division game 10 points is a lot and we've seen stranger things this season where we've been like hey 10 point spread absolutely the right call they'll definitely pull this out by 10 points only to see the 10 point underdog win by a a touchdown late so crazier things have happened this is why they play the games on the field not on paper uh the only name on the texans injury report is defensive end jonathan grenard uh the titans list defensive tackle cal peckle uh, Jeremy McNichols, their running back, is in concussion protocol, so he missed practice. Other players showing up as questionable include Bud Dupree, Rashawn Evans, Greg Maben, Tierra Tart, Nate Davis, Chris Jackson, Harold Landry, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, who's been making a name for himself the last couple of weeks. So uh, I expect a lot of those guys to be healthy enough to play come Sunday. Uh, moving on here to the next game at 1 o'clock, we have the Green Bay Packers. Our new number one team this week, moving up from seven to one. Uh, Damn, that's a, a huge leap. Yeah, it is, and they're moving, up, and they're two and a half point favorites over their division rivals, the Minnesota Vikings. Brian, our Packers fan, does send us this: fresh off of victory over the Seahawks, the Packers will travel to Minnesota to take on the division rival Vikings. They're better. They're a better team than their record would indicate. 
And I expect there'll be a stiff challenge for Green Bay without a handful of our best players. Jair, Aaron Jones, Darius Smith, David Bakhtiari, question mark. On offense, I suspect we would try to spread them out and attack the secondary. I haven't seen if Harrison Smith will or will not uh, be back, but would be uh, obvious a big boost for our uh, offense if he missed the game. Nobody has been able to shut down Devontae, so I expect he'll continue to ball out. The bigger question to me is who else might step up. We've run the ball pretty well, but will obviously be without Aaron Jones. He's got a lot more wiggle in his game than A.J. Dillon does, so I would expect we'd see more between the tackles rushing. On defense, we've played incredibly well despite the injuries. Minnesota's not a very good group of skill skill positions that will challenge Green Bay. DeAndre Campbell is the best inside linebacker we've had in as long as I can remember. He's played well in coverage and in run defense. We'll need another solid game from him. Kenny Clark and Dion Lowry will uh, slow down Dalvin. We've historically dominated the interior old line of Minnesota, so thinking this will be possible. We've been getting good pressure on dropbacks, but are dealing with some injuries in our edge defenders. Gary sounds like he'll play in a brace, but unclear how much his elbow injury will affect the game. It'll be important to keep pressure on Kirk. Our defensive backs, particularly Amos and Savage, have played really well. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen will be a challenge, but one thing I think we can manage, Minnesota is better than their record would indicate. I think of all the games they've lost have been a one-score differential. Expecting that trend will continue, picking Green Bay over Minnesota 27-23. You co-sign with Brian there. I love the in-depth analysis by Brian, but I'm picking the upset. I'm picking oh. the upset. I don't love the Vikings, obviously. But as Brian <laughs> said, they are way better than their record. And they play really well at home. And I think he said they're traveling to Minnesota. Um, yeah, they are. Games of many. So that that helps them a lot. And, you know, Rodgers' worst record in the division is against Minnesota. Granted, it's still a pretty good record, but it's the worst one amongst all of his division rivals in his career. And, you know, yeah, these skill position players are really good. Thielen, Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. Um, I I just find it hard to believe. Well, I don't find it hard to believe. But, you know, the Packers didn't look all that good last week against the Seahawks. Maybe it's because Aaron Rodgers just got back in the building like one second before the game started probably and didn't practice all week or last week. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was probably a bit rusty. But they only scored 17 points against the Seahawks' defense. So it's not really that good. And I know that's not really how the NFL works, but, you know, the Vikings' defense isn't half bad. They've they've contended – the. They've, they just beat the Chargers, who have a pretty good offense in, in Los Angeles. I just think this is this could be the week for, for Minnesota to pull the 500. They're still in the NFC wildcard picture, so this game still means a great deal to them, even at 4-5. and five. And, yeah, I just have that feeling that, that Minnesota, uh, as we both know, division rivals, Division games are are often very tough. Uh, the spread of two and a half says that that says as much. So you would think the spread would be higher. Four and five team going up against a 
eight and two team is it or a seven and two team either way las vegas knows what they're doing so two and a half i am going out on a limb and picking the vikings on the upset and no that's not because i just want the packers to lose so i can win the cowboys <laughs> You're looking out for that number one seed for your uh, Dallas Cowboys. That's all that is. <laughs> Maybe. That is all that is. Look, I, I think the audience knows why you're picking Minnesota. It, 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 it's not because you really think the Vikings are going to win. I mean, you probably have some inkling that they have a shot, but you don't truly believe. You, this is just your wishful thinking at this point because you need another Packers loss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, give me, give mm, me yeah, a look. of hope. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. Um, the Packers defense has probably been the most, one of the more inconsistent units in football all season. Um, some weeks they look great shutting down their opposition. Other weeks they just give up a ton of yardage and or points. Uh, case in point, tell us who has against the Baltimore Ravens a couple of weeks ago where they completely shut them down for basically the majority of the first half and part of the second, you know, part of the uh, third quarter. And then the dam broke, and they just let Baltimore do whatever they wanted in, you know, the fourth quarter and the latter half of the third quarter in that game, and they found themselves on a wrong end of an overtime loss. So, which is weird considering their head coach is a defensive specialist. Like, I don't get that. If anything, their defense should be one of the more consistent units in the league. On the flip side, their offense, I've said this time and time again, um, one, Dalvin Cook is the focal point of their offense. Uh, if you make this team one-dimensional, Kirk Cousins is not that guy who's going to beat you. Look, he plays adequately well when the running game is working. All right, and, and that's the nicest thing I'm going to say about Kirk's game. But if you take away the running game and you make him have to throw to beat you, um, yeah, you're a Vikings fan, good luck. You can skull your way back into the, the, the history books in Valhalla. But just, no. Kirk's not the dude. He's not, look, he's serviceable quarterback, yeah, but I put him in the same class as a Ryan Tannehill because that's basically what he has in front of him right now. And, yeah, he has two stud receivers in Thielen and Jefferson, and, yes, I still cry every time Jefferson scores a touchdown because he should be wearing a green jersey in Philadelphia, but I'm not bitter over that anymore much. Um, the Packers have just – Look, more times than not, the Packers have had the Vikings number. And it's very rare that Aaron Rodgers, yes, he may have his worst divisional record against the Vikings. But, you know, Karen Rodgers just, he still owns this division to some extent. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, the only time the Vikings actually really jump up and convincingly beat the Packers to where everyone's scared, like, oh, the the Packers are, are mortal and the Vikings have a chance, is when Rodgers is either not playing or knocked out of the game. There's always something. I mean, there are very few legit wins by Minnesota over Green Bay. I'm not saying they don't have them. They do. But, I mean, in the last couple of years, most of the wins have been without Rodgers in the lineup or knocked out of the lineup. Remember, he missed, what, one one game one year is when the linebacker fell on his collarbone and broke that for the season. Um so he missed the second matchup as well. Another year he was hurt and, and missed the second matchup that year. So, and yeah, last year he played the full season and they, they split. But, I mean, Green Bay won week one in Minnesota last year. So there's that. Um, injuries for the Vikings. Patrick Peterson is designated to return from injured reserve. So he may be available this week. 
because Bashard Breland is listed as questionable. Safety Josh Metellus is going to be out. He's been placed on the reserve COVID list, and Anthony Barr is also questionable. Um, for the Green Bay Packers, you have Alan Lazard, Devontae Adams, and Malik Taylor, all wide receivers listed as questionable. Lazard and Adams, shoulder and undisclosed injury, respectively. Karen Rogers uh, was not present at part of Wednesday's practice due to some undisclosed reason, which the team has not released yet. Uh, Whitney Merciless, who they just acquired a few weeks ago, was placed on injured reserve on Tuesday with a biceps injury. And David Bakhtiari is questionable. He's most likely going to be a game-time decision. Rashawn Gary, as Brian mentioned earlier, will be wearing a brace on his hyperextended elbow in an attempt to play Sunday. We'll see how he is. Obviously, no Aaron Jones, so it is the A.J. Dillon show. Uh, moving on here to the next game, AFC East Divisional matchup. The Miami Dolphins travel up to New York to play the Jets. The Dolphins move up two spots from 27 to 25. The Jets hold at 29, and the Dolphins are three-point favorites. Um, for those who you know actually care about this matchup of two teams not doing much this season, uh, you'll be, I don't know, surprised or not, to know that the starting quarterback this Sunday for the New York Jets will be one Joe Flacco. <laughs> so pointless. So pointless. Like, what is going on over there? What I don't is know going because on? Mike White is not listed on the injury report as far as I can see today. So um, how Joe Flacco got to be named the starter, I have no idea. Um this matchup right now looks like a comedy of errors, honestly, because Miami literally, this is not hyperbole, Miami plays up to the level of their competition. It doesn't matter how good or bad they are. I think every game they've been in has been close this season. Uh, yeah, they've been blown out maybe once or twice, but the majority of their games have been within one score. More times than not, they've been on the wrong end of those one-score games. But again, they play up and down to the level of their competition and look I don't expect them to go to the playoffs especially with how that division is shaping out right now um I feel sorry for Robert Sala I mean he is he was a phenomenal defensive coordinator in Frisco I'm not doubting his ability to be a head coach but the dumpster fire that is the New York Jets despite the couple of wins that they got they've gotten so far this season over Cincinnati and Tennessee two teams that should make the playoffs I don't know what to make of this team. They play great in spurts, but entire games. Kevin, your thoughts on this matchup? This Honestly, a little part of me wants to pick the Jets. Just a little part, but I, I can't bring myself <laughs> me too. to do it. <laughs> but I can't do it. Can't do it. I might have done it if Mike White was playing. I don't know why they're benching Mike White. I know he had a horrible game against the Bills, but, like, why are you playing Flacco? He's a corpse of his former self. He's 36, 37 years old. He's not good. Not good at all. At least get some reps in for Mike White. Um, it's unfortunate Zach Wilson's not playing, but Mike White has shown some flashes this season. Heck, he gave them a win against the Bengals, their best game they've played all year. And oh, just uh, Sala, Sala is not going to last long in New York. Just mark my words. 
this next year will be his last year in New York because this team is not getting any better and it's not getting it's not going to be pretty for the Jets for the foreseeable future unless Zach Wilson could make a miraculous sophomore stride next year, which I highly doubt. Even though I was very high on him to start the year, very high, and I highly regret making that a public statement, but <laughs> yet I did. Look, um, I don't think Salah gets fired. Um, there's not a lot of talent on this team, unfortunately. Look, th- this is one of a handful of teams that in preseason was snake bitten by season ending injuries because all the hopes that we were like, the Jets have this phenomenal talent on defense and Robert Sala is going to turn his defense around and at the very least they should be able to play close to 500 football and almost every big name or important player in their front seven forget their secondary but almost every lineman or linebacker who was looked at to make some huge contribution to this team was put on injured reserve before the end of preseason so he hasn't had much talent to deal with um and again, yeah, you, you got to adjust and, and make, try to make some things happen, but you got guys first, second, maybe third-year players that you're expecting a lot from, and they're still learning. So he's head coaching on the fly. The players are learning positions on the fly. It's not an ideal situation all around. And as far as Flacco starting, I mean, when Mike White got knocked out in that Thursday night game against the Colts a couple of weeks ago, they had to bring in Josh Johnson. And I don't know why you don't put the ball back in the hands of Josh Johnson because if it wasn't for a wide receiver's butterfingers tipping the ball to be intercepted, that game would have been tied or at least the Jets going in for the go-ahead score with under two minutes left in Indy because Indy went up huge. And when Josh Johnson came in, the Jets started storming back. I mean, it was the type of thing where it was like Indy had to keep scoring even though they were still up 28 points because they knew they couldn't stop the Jets' comeback, and they couldn't. I mean, that ended up being a one-score game um, when it all came down to it at the end. Uh, I believe it was seven or eight points that they won by. But Josh Johnson had them going in for that potential tying score if the wide receiver actually catches the ball. So I, I don't understand why you deactivate Josh Johnson and start Joe Flacco. Yeah, I, and, and to your point, Kevin, I don't, again, White's not on the injury report. Zach Wilson has still not been designated to return from a short-term IR that he's been put on, so he's not going to be available for the game. I, I, I just don't get it. But w- what do you think about Josh Johnson just – from the little bit we saw in that game against the Colts to this point right now, like, because I'm pretty sure you, again, you probably like me, everyone else, we're perplexed. Joe Flacco's a starter. I mean, you can only ride yeah. on the Super Bowl victory from a dozen years ago, but so long. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't know why Josh Johnson's not starting uh, or Mike White. Um, you know, obviously, neither of them are probably the quarterback of the future. They obviously want Zach Wilson to be that guy, but like, there's literally no point in starting Joe Flacco. And as you mentioned, Johnson performed pretty admirably last week against the or two weeks ago against the against the Colts um, in in relief of Mike White. 
So I don't know why they wouldn't give him another chance. Flacco just has zero upside, and even if he does win, like, who cares? Like, who cares? Like, he's not going to be on the team next year. At at least maybe find your backup quarterback of the future. Like, this has just a lose-lose proposition for the Jets. Like, if they win, oh, whoop-de-doo. What does that do? It gives you a worse draft draft positioning. (laughs) Like, it tells you nothing about the team. So, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. All right. Uh, injury reports here for both teams has the Dolphins. They list Tua Tungavailoa uh, with a finger injury. He was limited in practice on uh, Wednesday. Uh, Brendan Jones, their safety, uh, is listed as questionable, along with Christian Wilkins, a defensive tackle, and Andrew Van Ginkle, their linebacker. Uh, Greg Little, their offensive tackle, has been placed on injury reserve with an undisclosed injury. And Elijah Campbell, their safety, is listed as questionable as well. Uh, for the New York Jets, again, Zach Wilson, not yet ready to return from short-term IR. Uh, they did place Brandon Eccles, their cornerback, on injury reserve on Tuesday. Uh, Makai Becton is still one to three weeks away from coming back. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just a mess all around, as I said before, for the Jets. So uh doesn't look like things are going to get better anytime soon. Uh, the next 1 o'clock game, has the New Orleans Saints venturing up to play the Philadelphia Eagles. The Saints fall from 10 to 14 in the power rankings. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles move up one spot from 24 to 23. They are one-and-a-half-point favorites. And, look, I know I've been railing against my squad the last couple of weeks, and I'm probably going to do it again after I read what our Saints fan sends us, to which he says, Rents repeat from the previous week. The Saints are too beat up to have any faith anymore. The penalties, injuries, and consistent mistakes, two missed extra points last week, are killing them. Add to that the fact that the Saints receivers couldn't catch COVID at a Bosa pool party, and you're going to lose every week no matter how bad the opponent. Eagles by 60. Um... (laughs) I appreciate the vote of confidence unjustly or justly. I still don't know, but um, yeah, we're not, we're not winning by that much. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that the Eagles have not won a home game this year. So for everyone who's jumping on the hype of the Eagles could still make the playoffs at four and six and the way the muddled NFC is one pump your brakes. We need to win a home game first. Uh, We are 0 and four at home. And granted, it has been some of the better teams in the league. Uh, I, I This is still a Saints team coached by Sean Payton. And uh, just to get you caught up, the, the home games we lost were Frisco, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and the Chargers. Those are the four home games we lost. <laughs> okay. Um, and the closest one was the Niners. The, the others were uh, oh, and the Chargers. Those are only two one-score games. The other two were double digits. So, um, yeah. Look, I'm glad that over the last three weeks, the offensive staff has pulled their heads out of their butts. They're running the ball. Kevin, you'll be happy to know that uh, Miles Sanders has been designated to return from injured reserve. I know you're probably still holding the roster spot for him on your fantasy team. So, uh, the way we've been running the ball lately – um, I'm, I'm guessing he's going to supplant either Jordan Howard or Boston Scott because Philip Gainwell it will will be put back on the bench since he can't do anything in the offense other than catch passes. 
Um, just continue running the ball, continue to use play action, mix in a little bit of the read option. I was watching some of the, the tape from the Broncos game this past week, and there were instances where Jalen Hurts should have given the ball to his running backs on those read options. Um, he's not making the right read all the time. He's seeing ghosts that aren't there. He thinks he has a lane that he doesn't. And granted, I would say off the top of my head, there were probably four plays where he kept the ball, and two of them turned out great. And the other two, he should have just let the running backs just bully the ball upfield for three to four yards and, and take that minimal gain other than running laterally to the line of scrimmage with three orange jerseys waiting on him. On the defensive side of the ball, there – the coverage is still a little too soft. Um, force a team that gets holding on second and 10 to be second and 20 to do something quick. Blitz up the middle. Press the wide receivers. Um, hell, be physical with the wide receivers will even make me happy. But they're, not, they're still not doing that, and that's coaching. You know, um, Slay's fumble return was a fourth and one run, you know, had nothing to do with you know, what they could or couldn't do against wide receivers. And while there was pressure on Teddy Bridgewater, there wasn't enough pressure to force him to throw picks. You know, he was able to throw the ball away. He took the sack. Um, he threw the ball in the dirt near wide receivers, but he didn't – he wasn't forced into throwing into coverage where there wasn't anything there. And, and that's probably my biggest issue. We don't have that many interceptions on the year, probably four total. You know, there are players in the league – Diggs included, who have like six to eight picks by themselves. And the Eagles secondary as a whole only has four, and two of those are by Slay. So I look forward to the Eagles continuously running that philosophy on offense. Defensively, though, I don't know what I can tell them to do because whether it's Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon, Sean Payton's going to have something schemed up to outflank this defense because, again, much like last year under Jim Swartz, it's static. It doesn't move much. Um, you you can outflank them. You can fool them with trickery. I, I hope the Eagles pull out the win, but again, until I see more consistency, and, and it's only been three weeks, I'm not holding my breath. Kevin, your input. Uh, I mean, I don't. I agree with with uh, you know our, our Saints super fan. They are just super banged up right now. Receivers are probably the worst in the league. They're playing in Philly. Didn't realize Philly was uh, winless at home. Winless but, at home. <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't realize that. But once again, James, I'm going with the Eagles, and I know. You mentioned briefly that you know your your playoff chances are still slightly alive, and I was looking at your schedule, and it's not that difficult. You, I think you play the Giants twice, right? Giants twice, Washington twice, Cowboys at the end of the year. There's a Jets game after this um, after this game against the Saints, and that is our schedule. It is the second easiest schedule the rest of the way, second only to Tennessee. Tennessee, Jesus. Um, but yeah, if you like, I, it pains me to say, but you guys could finish with eight wins and make the playoffs as the seventh seed. Um, that wouldn't be that unrealistic. Even like, look, you guys got to beat the Jets. 
And you guys got to win three or four from the Giants and the Washington football team. So that's four wins right there. And then, depending... Yeah, you're not going to be the Cowboys. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> if your team has nothing to play for at the end of the season and we needed to get in, I guarantee we go full bore and try to beat the brakes off of you like you did us earlier this season. Do we play you in Week 18? Uh, yeah, last game of the season is Dallas at Philly. Yeah, maybe it could be that. It could be like 2016 all over again when we rested everyone. But I don't know. It, it If we're fighting for the number one seed, I find it hard to believe that we that would be the won't. That, and that would be the only reason I, I like realistically, like seriously, like all, all jokes aside of me not trashing my team. Um, I think everything hinges on this Saints game this Sunday. We win this game. I give us a good chance, more than 50% chance to beat the Jets. Because, again, I don't know what to expect from the Jets. And, you know, depending on who they have playing quarterback and how well they're coached up going into that game, I don't know. Uh, it'll be a road game, so who knows? We might win because all four victories are on the road this season. Um, and then, like you said, I would really love for us to sweep Washington and New York. I would really love that, especially, you know, with what's happening with both franchises right now, um, the muddled messes that they're both in, much like us, and, you know, the offense playing the way it should have been playing in the early part of the season, um, leaning on the running game. And by by time you get to the two New York and Washington games, Miles Sanders should be as close to 100% as he's been since week one. And I expect, honestly, that that's pretty much where I expect him to take over now. I I understand the coaches want to, you know, save the running backs and use a two-headed monster. I don't care who the number two back is, but all I'm saying is when, when Miles is a full go, it shouldn't be a 50-50 split as far as carries. It should be closer to 70-30 because I'm looking at some of the runs Jordan Howard has, and, you know, he's a battering ram. He He, he has no speed to him whatsoever. You know, he's got average speed for a running back, which really, you know, kind of ho-hum. But I'm looking at his runs, and I'm thinking, if that was Miles Sanders, a lot of his, like, five- to seven-yard runs would probably be 10- to 15-yard runs, maybe even big gainers of 20 yards, just based on the speed aspect and the ability to elude tacklers because, that's what Miles brings to the table, unlike Jordan Howard. And again, I'm not knocking Jordan Howard. It's been a breath of fresh air helping out Boston Scott in the running game. But if you look at the runs from Sunday, Boston Scott had more big, big yardage plays than than Jordan Howard. Howard is the bruiser. Scott is the burner right now. But when Sanders comes back, one of those two is going to see a huge reduction in carries when Sanders is 100 or close to 100 percent. Um, the Saints this week have put uh, uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson on injury reserve, their safety. Running back Tony Jones has been designated to return from injury reserve with his ankle. Taysom Hill shows up on the injury report. He didn't practice on Wednesday due to a foot injury. Uh, Ryan Ramchak, Malcolm Roach, uh, Tona Kapsangan, and Alvin Kamara all show up as questionable in the injury report. Kamara's nursing a knee. Ty Montgomery has a finger injury, didn't practice on Wednesday, and Taron Armstead, their tackle, is also listed as questionable. For those who are concerned or 
one update, Jameis Winston did have successful surgery on Friday on his knee. So um, speedy recovery to you. Of course, if you haven't heard or you're probably still wondering about Michael Thomas, he is out for the season. Uh, he will not be back at all this year. For the Philadelphia Eagles, Davion Taylor, linebacker, uh, has a knee injury. Dallas Goddard is still in concussion protocol, so keep an eye on that to the end of the week. Uh, Rodney McLeod, Javon Hargrave, and Sean Bradley also show up on the injury report as questionable. Uh, moving on here to our next game, we have the Washington football team traveling to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Washington moves up one spot from 28 to 27. The Panthers move up from 22 to 18. And the Panthers are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, Kevin, I don't know what to make of this game because you got Washington who pretty much blitzed the Buccaneers last week to the point where Tampa Bay couldn't rely on Tom Brady at the end because Washington killed the final six-and-a-half minutes on a 21-play drive. And, you know, the the downside is that they lose uh, their star defensive end, Chase Young, for the year with a torn ACL. And then you have the Carolina Panthers who – went into Arizona and continued their streak of beating Arizona. Um, Folks, in case you didn't know, the Arizona Cardinals have never beaten the Carolina Panthers since the (laughs) Panthers came into the league, like ever. They are 0-4 whatever they played. That includes playoffs. So you got two teams with big wins last week on a collision course. And, um, oh, and in case you didn't know, Cam Newton's back. So – Kevin, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, much like you, James, I really don't know what to make of this game, like, whatsoever. Um, to me, it could go either way. Uh, but ultimately, like, so many of my games are decided by home field advantage, and that is in Carolina. I just expect that this Panthers defense is going to get after Heineke. Um, look, very impressive win by Heineke and the football team last week against the Buccaneers. But I just don't expect it to continue over. I I really don't. Um, and look, the Panthers beat uh, Kyler Murray-less um, Cardinals team. But at the same yeah, time, no that Murray, same Cardinals, no Green, no Hopkins. <laughs> At the same time, that same Cardinals team destroyed the 49ers the week previous. So, still an impressive win. Arizona still has a good defense. And, you know, the Panthers' offense rolled up 31 points on them, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, I, I expect this to be a low-scoring game. Close game. I don't think either offense has the potential to break away from each other here. Both offenses have the ability to shit the bed, excuse my language. So, yeah, give me the Panthers in a close game in a probably very ugly, boring game, like one you don't want to watch one second of. (laughs) I will be keeping my eyes on this game because, I mean, this is a team in my division. um, And, you know, look, I, I don't put much stock in Heineke. I, you know... I just don't believe in the kid. I, I, I don't know what Tampa Bay's defense did or didn't do last week, but 
how how they beat them. I, I'm still trying to I'm still scratching my head trying to figure that out. Carolina defense again. It's a it's a unit I've been raving about since last season. They just needed time to gel, consistency. Uh, I, I think they've been playing solid all season. They're not great. Um, they're good enough to stymie many an opponent in the league, but um, I'm I'm confused as to what this offense is going to look like. Look, we've already mentioned last week that Sam Darnold was being played for injured reserve. So how much Cam – I think this game falls on how much Cam Newton we see in this game. Last week, you know, he was signed on – what he was signed on Friday, Thursday uh, last week, Thursday or Friday, um, he was – immediately put into the offense. He had a whole bunch of goal line package plays that was already set up for him to uh, make things easy. And I think that probably shell-shocked the Cardinals more than anything else that, you know, P.J. Walker is going to be the starter for now. But, excuse me, what do you do when you see Cam Newton out there? Because, I mean, look, he he looked like Cam Newton the first time around in, in the Panthers uniform. So I don't know how Washington combats that losing Chase Young for the year um, with everything falling on the rest of the defensive line. So, Yeah, it'll be interesting and, and to did, see for sure. Yeah, and, and look, it, even though Ryan Fitzpatrick has pretty much been out since week two, it, at this point there's probably no rush to bring him back. I mean, Washington's not going to turn around and win his division unless, I don't know, any number of 10 – specific players on, on the Dallas offense and defense decides to not play for the rest of the season. <laughs> I mean, I can't call it. Um, th- there really isn't much to play for in Washington. Like, yeah, again, we talked about the difference in the NFC and the AFC. There are a lot of teams vying for wild cards because for the most part, three of the four, di- I would say three of the four divisions are pretty much sewn up. Dallas is going to win the East. Packers are w- going to win the North. With all due respect to, you know, the scotch tape and and, and and the smoke and mirrors that Sean Payton is providing in New Orleans, the Buccaneers are going to win the South. And unless the Rams get their act together, the Cardinals are definitely going to win the West. So you're talking about, you know, three teams in those wild card spots right now, but a whole bunch of teams with four and five wins snipping at the heels of those teams with five wins currently in wild card spots. So... This this game could mean a lot towards, you know, the slim playoff chances of, of, of a lot of teams. So uh, the Panthers, Mike Marquise Haynes Sr., uh, defensive end, and Frankie Louvo, the deep linebacker, are the big players showing up on the injury report. Uh, Daryl Johnson, their defensive end, and uh, John Miller, uh, their offensive guard, have been designated to return from injury reserve with hamstring and ankle, respectively. For Washington, Kendall Fuller, their corner, has a knee injury. He didn't practice. Terry McLaurin has a shoulder injury. He was limited in practice. Antonio Gibson, a shin injury. He was limited in practice. Curtis Samuel, growing, didn't practice on Wednesday. Ricky Seals-Jones, hip injury. He didn't practice on Wednesday either. Logan Thomas, their tight end, is close to coming back from injured reserve. Daryl Roberts, their corner, has been designated to return from injured reserve with his quad injury. Brandon Sheriff. Shadiq Charles and Samus Ray's other players showing up on the Washington injury report. Uh, moving on here to our next game, we have the San Francisco 49ers visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Niners coming off a huge win Monday night against the Rams, move up four spots from 25 to 21. 
Jacksonville holding at 30 in our power rankings. And the Niners are six-and-a-half-point favorites. The power rankings, the shadowy figure, are picking the 49ers. I'm going to do something crazy and go with the Jaguars. Um, oh, wow. I have no real, yeah, I, I, I have no real rhyme or reason to do it. But I look at the Niners' last game, and that was against the Rams, a team in their division. A team, surprisingly, that folks may not realize, no matter how pretty and, and nice the Rams look, the Niners have owned the Rams over the last several years. It doesn't matter how good the Rams are on offense or defense. It doesn't matter how many years they've made the playoffs. The Niners have owned the Rams. That being said, they're not playing the Rams this week. If the Niners could play the Rams every week, they'd probably be a 12 and a 12 or 13 win team in the league, honestly. That, that's just my two cents. It doesn't matter who's out there for their 49ers because, look, they, they've had their more than their fair share of injuries this year. You know, um, our Titans fan was talking about having the number one seed but yet the most injuries in the league. The Niners are probably right up there with them with injury players. You know, the gap was like 84. The second most was in their 60s, and it's probably the Niners. All right, uh, as far as how many people, different people have started – uh, for this team this season. And yet they still find a way to get it done. My only concern is the consistency because you get games like you had Monday night against the Rams. Granted, they were playing at home in, in Frisco. And, and then you'll get other inexplicable games where it's like, oh, yeah, they should definitely win this game, and they crap the bed. Or Jimmy Garoppolo's not actually 100%. Or what the heck happened to their defense? Like, why did they lose like this? It, any number of things. And that that inconsistency is what scares me. You know, yeah, they're four and five right now. They're one of those four win teams with a shot at making the playoffs. But I don't give them any real shot at doing it. I'm looking at the rest of the schedule here after the Jaguars. They have Vikings, Seahawks, Bengals, Falcons, Titans, Texans, and Rams. Now, I'd say the only surefire game I give them a chance at winning, two actually, is probably the last two games of the year, the Texans and the Rams. And that's, again, they've owned the Rams. <laughs> you know, other than that, outside of the Rams and the Texans, I'm confused because I'm pretty sure you want to take a quarter, flip it up in the air, let them call heads, and pretty much say, uh, that's the chance they have to win the game. And, yes, that includes the Jacksonville Jaguars because as bad as the Jaguars are record-wise – they're competing now, and they look a lot better now than they did at the beginning of the season. Yes, they're still losing games, obviously. But the defense has stepped up. The offense is getting a little bit more traction. I can see the, the Jaguars holding serve at home and winning this game and upsetting the Niners. Yes, I can actually see that. Kevin, your take. Yeah, I could actually see that too. Um Coming off of a, were they on bye last week? But either way, uh, no, they lost to the Colts. Uh, yes, they lost to the Colts. But as you said, they put up a contest. Um, James Robinson's back for the Jaguars. He had a pretty, pretty nice game. Their their defense is is playing a lot better now than it did at, at the beginning of the season. 
And yeah, I just don't have any faith in the 49ers. I know they just just decimated the Rams, but you know, as you said, they owned the Rams historically the last few years in, in the Sean McVay era for for the for the Rams. But they're traveling over to to Jacksonville. Everyone knows that the that's you know not the easiest of tasks to do on a short, a short week, week to to, mm-hmm. to top it off. And yeah, basically, I don't have any faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, the only time he ever succeeds is when this rushing game is at, is firing on all cylinders, like they were against Absolutely. the Rams. So if the Jaguars can take away that running game, or not even take it away, but make it so you know they're not averaging six, seven yards a carry like they did against the Rams, like uh, against the Rams, they didn't run there. They didn't pass the ball one time on first down in the first half. Like that, that's ridiculous. Like that's not a sustainable recipe for success. Like your running game is not going to be on point like that every single Sunday. So unless you play the Rams. I, Unless you play the Rams. So, yeah, I do think the Jaguars stand a chance here and n- might as well pick them just because it's more fun that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, quick hit on the injury reports here. The 49ers list Josh Norman as questionable. Uh, Drake Greenlaw, the linebacker, has been designated to return from injury reserve with his growing injury. Uh, Jamichael Hasty, the running back, has an ankle injury. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Debo Samuel, the receiver, shin injury was limited in practice on Wednesday. Elijah Mitchell, running back with a finger injury, uh, didn't practice on Wednesday. Um, but he does expect to, uh, the coach does expect him to play on Sunday. Uh, Jalen Moore and Maurice Hurst, other players uh, showing up as questionable in the injury report. Moore is suffering uh Sustaining, sustained a knee injury in Monday night's game, so he has been designated as day-to-day. For the Jaguars, running backs Carlos Hyde and James Robinson, shoulder and knee respectively, uh, show up as questionable on the report, along with Jordan Smith, the defensive end, linebacker Miles Jack, uh, punter Logan Cook. Uh, the center, Brandon Linder, has been designated to return from injury reserve. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy, also has been designated to, uh, to return from injury reserve with his ankle injury. That's a tight end. Uh, moving on here to our first of the four o'clock games, the Cincinnati Bengals travel to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. Uh, the Bengals move up three spots from 16 to 13. They are one-point favorites over the Vegas Raiders, who fall from 14 to 15. And uh, Monty, our Raiders fan, <laughs> says, on to Cincinnati. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. Right now, we're preparing for Cincinnati. We're getting ready for Cincinnati. We got to turn the page. I mean, we're not going to sit there and talk about the Kansas City game for the rest of the season any more than we would talk about any of the big wins for <laughs> for day after day after day. You know, 24 hours after the game, you have to move on. We're getting ready for Cincinnati. Turn the page or collapse again. Cincinnati 24, Raiders 27. He's invoking a bit of Belichick there after uh, getting mollywopped by the Kansas City Chiefs in a game that pretty much looked close for the first quarter and a half, and then the Chiefs just pretty much showed why they're the Chiefs. Um, I don't know, Kevin, in this one. The Vegas Raiders, I, I, I think... I think things are finally going to collapse for them at this point, and not in a good way. Like, 
with everything that's happened to them this season, um, they did sign Deshaun Jackson to replace Henry Ruggs. And um, Deshaun made – look, Deshaun is a big play or boo-boo player on the field. I'm sorry. He is wildly inconsistent, meaning – and that includes his health. So if he is healthy enough to play an entire game, which he hasn't this year, um, you're either going to get a huge play or you're going to get a boo-boo. You're not going to get anything in between. And this past week against the Chiefs, when they really needed a big play, he gave them both a big play and a boo-boo. And I don't know how this offense fills the void of rugs with Deshaun Jackson consistently because I don't think that's something that's going to work out. What do you think? Yeah, uh, man, both these teams are in a little bit of turmoil. Bengals have lost two straight. Um, Raiders just got Molly Watt, as you say. You're, uh, I like the use of the word for the second time this podcast. Well done. Um, but, yeah, both these teams are so hard to predict right now. I, I but uh, oh my, I would have to give the slight bit, slight edge to the Bengals, just from what they've shown earlier on the year. I mean, they, I know their their five and two start seems like it's a long time ago, but it is it is what it is. I, I I'm hoping the by the bye week probably you know helped them correct things. As you said, it's probably only a matter of time before the Raiders' season just collapsed with all the turmoil they've had going on this year. It's hard to keep that ship afloat. But both teams are struggling right now, so I think it actually should be a pretty good game. I do like Monty's prediction, but I would just reverse the score a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, uh, oof. This is um, yeah. I I I just don't know what to expect. Like you said, hopefully the bye week turns things around. Look, the the Raiders are a sinking ship, and I feel like you know it, it, it's the it's a little cartoon or old you know trope from the sixties uh, shows where you see the the guy in the little dinghy boat and there's a hole in it, so he's basically using a bucket to throw the water out the boat over the side, even though it's still trickling in from, you know, the hole in the side of, the, of his little dinghy. And <laughs> it's just, it, you, you can only do so much before it just, you know, before you take on too much, you know, before it all becomes too much and it just collapses in on itself. And look, I, I give them credit for the bounce back wins they've had after every single thing that's happened to them, but you can only bounce back so many times in a given season. And, and, and look, but, the remainder of their schedule, um, after the Bengals, they go to Dallas, host Washington, and then road dates at Kansas City and at the Browns in back-to-back weeks. These next five mm-hmm. games could pretty much break their season. Um, and so this game against the Bengals is a big one because, look, Washington notwithstanding because we don't know what we get from them, but the way Dallas is playing, especially at home, and then you talk about going back, you know, going to Kansas City after this destroyed you in your own building. And if the Browns actually get their stuff right, going to Cleveland, forget the last three games of the season. This season could be over by Cleveland. So, 
we'll just keep an eye out for that. Uh, the Bengals injury report has Tyler Shelvin, a defensive tackle, and Trey Hopkins, the center, listed as questionable. Uh, Michael Wilcox, their tight end, was placed on the COVID reserve list. Marcus Bailey, their linebacker, um, uh, could come off the COVID reserve list this week, provided he has negative tests. But currently, uh, he and Wilcox are both listed as out. For the Raiders, Josh Jacobs listed as questionable with a knee injury. Uh, Tyler Gillespie uh, was placed on injury reserve. Jalen Richard, running back, ribs, didn't practice on Wednesday. Amig Robertson, the corner, Nick Kwiatkowski, the linebacker, both listed as questionable. And uh, Richie Incognito has suffered a setback in his return from injury reserve. Um, and Gerald McCoy's suspension has been lifted by the NFL, but he still remains on injury reserve at this moment. Uh, moving on here to the next game, Kevin, your Dallas Cowboys travel to Kansas City at 425. The Cowboys move up from 9 to 5 in the power rankings. The Chiefs move up from 11 to 9 in the power rankings. And the Chiefs are two-and-a-half-point favorites. And before we get to you, Kevin, Nick, our Chiefs fan, sends us this. Two weeks ago, the Dallas Cowboys got blown out by the Broncos, who just got smashed by the Eagles, who the Chiefs handily beat a month ago. So by the transitive property, the Chiefs already effectively beaten the Cowboys and this game doesn't even need to be played, but it should be a lot of fun regardless. For reals, a win this week would truly mark a, a, a capstone on KC's comeback. Routing the Raiders last week put the Chiefs back on top of the division, but despite the fact that KC looked like they finally sorted out the myriad of small issues that led to them racking up four losses this year, Dallas will be a much bigger test to see if those problems have been sorted for good. After all, the Chiefs have plenty of plays and game plays they can dust off that have been shown to work against Vegas, but Dallas is both an unfamiliar opponent and a genuine top-tier team this year. One unit that has been back for weeks now is the Chiefs' D-line that is healthier and causing problems for opponents against both run and pass. In a Spagnolo defense, nothing works without pass rush so making Dak uncomfortable behind the line that has forced some injuries will be key. Uh, on offense, the Chiefs need to just keep dealing, but also keep taking what the defense is giving them. In particular, I like to see the Chiefs do some more power running concepts up the middle and sort of create screens that they've gotten away from, but that were extremely successful last week in Vegas. Make it a battle of wills over whether Dallas is going to keep those safeties deep all game and keep winning at the line. Prediction, Chiefs hogtied the Dallas Cow Children 33-28. to 28. Kevin, the floor is yours. <laughs> oh, Nick. Oh, Nick. <laughs> Let's be real. No, no, no. It will be a good game. That I am certain of. I am uh, cautiously optimistic that we will win. It is in Kansas City, so Kansas City is a top three difficult place to play in the NFL. But Nick makes a big deal of the defensive line's return and, and and progress they've made over the last three weeks. But let me remind you who they've played the last three weeks. The Giants. Uh -oh. <laughs> the Aaron Rodgers, oh, excuse me, the Karen Rodgers Packers. And then they, of course, just spanked the Raiders. So, like, and the Raiders have a decent offense. Yeah, I was expecting a better showing from the Raiders last week. But let's be real. 
beating the Giants and the Packers without Karen Rodgers is no achievement to be proud of. That is that 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 is uh, you know status quo. That if you had lost one of those games, that that would be more concerning. What's concerning to me though is in those two games you only scored twenty and thirteen points. So your offense, are they really back after one big output of a game? Because you know. They've been very inconsistent this year, and uh, what's his face, Mahomes? Excuse me. <laughs> ten interceptions on the ten in, in interceptions on the year. They've, as a team, have turned the ball over twenty times on offense. Dallas has uh, seventeen takeaways on the year, including fourteen interceptions. So, you know. If Dallas can continue that, I like their chances very much to win this game. Uh, Mahomes, I know, hasn't thrown a pick in, in the last two games, but he's made some some iffy throws in those games for sure. It just hasn't resulted in any interceptions so far. Um, but I, I'm going to be interested to see how Cowboys do play this game. Um, if they're, if they're going to play those two high safeties, um, it could be troublesome for Kelsey over the middle, but you, of course you never want to give up the deep ball to Tyreek. So it, it was, it's going to be interesting. And I do still have slight concerns about the the Cowboys' rush defense. Last week it just wasn't exposed or attempted to be exposed because you, you cannot be running when you lose by 40 points. Um, so that is a little concerning. Not sure if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to play, but Daryl Williams had himself... Heck of a game last week against the Raiders, catching the ball and running the ball. So so that could be a bit of a concern. But on the offensive side for the Cowboys, they really should have no problem moving the ball, if you ask me. Dak is back and ready to go after that calf strain, which I do think limited him against the Broncos. I think he, he was not 100% going into that game. And is the thing Ezekiel Elliott is going to have a, a pretty big game as well. Chiefs rush defense isn't that good. They are been better the last three weeks, but overall they allow 4.6 yards per carry on the season, which isn't very good. And, you know, the Cowboys have a two-headed monster in Pollard and Zeke. And I think the Chiefs themselves have... have have been playing a little bit of too high safety. So if they do play coverage and that, that leaves a lot of room for, for Zeke and Pollard to, to smash up the middle and get ground and, and get a big gains there. Gallup is also back who, who he had a pretty nice debut last week, caught a fourth down ball. That was huge in, in, in building that 40 point lead. But ultimately, yeah, this, this game it's going to come down to both offenses. Who can score more points, obviously. But I do like the Cowboys' defense just a little bit better than the Chiefs' defense. And for that reason, I, I do pick the Cowboys, but I do expect it to be a very close game. Like, it could be one of those games where whatever quarterback has the ball last wins. I would not be shocked if that is the case here. But... Ultimately, I do give the edge to the Cowboys just because the Chiefs have been so inconsistent on offense this year. Um, maybe that Raiders game turned it around for them, but you know, I would like if I were a Chiefs fan to see them string two or three of those games in a row before I, 
I proclaim that they're officially back. And as I mentioned before, they have a tendency to turn the ball over. And the Cowboys this year have a tendency to, to force turnovers. So that remains the same. I like the Cowboys in this one. But as I said in the beginning of this, I am cautiously optimistic. I could easily see the Cowboys losing this game. But as of now, give me the Cowboys. And since Nick was so grateful to give us a score, I'll give a score as well. 30-28 to 28 Cowboys win. Ooh. Both of you expecting a losing team to score 28 points. Well, I won't waste any more time on this analysis. Uh, Dallas Cowboys injury report has Tyron Smith questionable with an ankle injury. Greg Zerline, uh, undisclosed, is going to be out, but is expected to be activated off the reserve COVID list. So, um, yeah, uh, keep your kick away from the rest of the players for the rest of the week, and um, maybe you all will have an actual legit chance to uh, pull in this game out. Uh, for the Chiefs, Legereus Sneed, the cornerback, is listed as questionable. Clyde Edwards Hilaire remains on injury reserve. The coaching staff, according to Andy Reid, um, they want to see how uh, his knee does in practice before making a decision to activate him from IR. Uh, Lucas Niang, the offensive tackle, uh, is questionable as well. Uh, the last of the 4 o'clock games has the Arizona Cardinals, who fell from 1 to 3 in our power rankings, Traveling to Seattle to play the Seahawks, who fell from 19 to 22 uh, in our rankings. And the Cardinals are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I'm not going to say embarrassing loss for Arizona, because as we said earlier, they were without Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green for two weeks in a row. And the first week, they destroyed the San Francisco 49ers. Divisional opponent, but still shocking nonetheless. And last week, they get destroyed. Basically, the brakes beat off of them by the Carolina Panthers and a returning Cam Newton. The Seahawks had Russ come back last week, and I don't know how much he practiced, but uh, that didn't look like Russ. That looked like somebody in Russ's jersey because they didn't score a single point, Kevin. All right, looks like we've lost Kevin here. Um, but, yeah, so <laughs> Arizona, I think everything hinges with them on the health of their offense. And, you know, what's interesting is that they have a bye week coming up shortly. So how much they allow their their offensive personnel to play with the bye week coming up or whether they give them another week of rest still to be determined because these last couple of weeks have been game time decisions. For, like I said, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, and a myriad of other players on the offense who, again, against Frisco, apparently they didn't need them, but they're pretty much going to need these guys in this divisional matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. And I, I don't know what to make of the Seahawks, um, especially with their performance in Lambeau last week. Uh, coming up, goose egg. Uh, Ru Russ looked horrible, quite possibly one of the worst games he's ever played in his entire pro career. Uh, I will let you know that everyone here, the power rankings, our shadowy figure myself, are going with the Arizona Cardinals, but I'm only going with the Cardinals if Kyler Murray plays. And like I said, the last two weeks it's been game-time decisions as far as whether he plays. If Murray plays in this game, I expect the Cardinals to win this game. If not, I give the Seahawks more than a puncher's chance to win this game. Uh, Two-and-a-half points is 
actually very gracious considering, again, all the injuries, and specifically DeAndre Hopkins, Callum Murray, hamstring and ankle respectively. Hopkins did not practice on Wednesday. Callum Murray was limited in practice. Uh, running back Jonathan Ward, safety James Wiggins, the guards Justin Pugh, Max Garcia all show up as questionable as well. Uh, and if Callum Murray can't go, it is worth mentioning that the backup quarterback Colt McCoy, he was diagnosed with a pec strain on Monday after that loss to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Chase Edmonds, you know, was officially placed on injury reserve with his ankle injury, so there should be more John Connor in this game coming up. Uh, for the Seahawks, DK Metcalf has a foot injury and didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, Chris Carson is close to coming back from injury reserve, but he did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, Bleshon Austin, the corner, Cody Barton, their linebacker, Ryan Neal, their safety, who's in concussion protocol, all listed as questionable, and Dwayne Brown, um, is also listed as questionable going into this week as well. Uh, look, it's a home game in Seattle. The, the 12th man hasn't been the 12th man this year um, for the Seahawks. And, you know, whatever magic uh, that they used to feel there in that stadium, sitting at three and six at the bottom of the division, I don't know if they can turn it around quick enough to try to steal a wild card spot because, I, look, I, no matter what happens the rest of the season, I think – Whoever finishes second in the NFC West will get the first wild card spot, and then it's basically two spots open for a myriad of other teams, most of which play in the NFC South, um, as they're the next two best teams over there. But I don't know. Three, three wins. The Seattle team only has three wins, and, and a lot of these losses are just inexplicably horrendous. Like, where did they go wrong? How just, you know, even a stint in which Russ has been out, there were games they could have won. That 13-10 loss to the Saints was a game they could have won. That 23-20 loss to the Steelers was a game they could have won. Um, so is, this is more so on the coaching staff than the players on the field because, honestly, this is a team that should be 4-5, and five, maybe 5-4. Five and four. You know, last week notwithstanding, but I get it. Russell's missing for us basically the better part of three weeks. Geno Smith did the best he could with the calls he was given. I don't know how much freedom he was given in the offense, but that's not a concern anymore going forward. Looking at the remainder of the Seahawks' schedule and what their outside chances are, I mean, this is the first of their two matchups against the Cardinals. They won't see them again until the last week of the season. And in between, they have Washington, the Niners, Texans, Rams, Bears, and Lions. I'm not calling anything a guaranteed victory in there. I mean, except maybe the Lions, but who knows what the Lions look like at that point, whether they've completely tanked it or whether they're just causing fits to other teams. I will say that the Seahawks need to get more out of their running game, uh, which, I mean, hilariously enough, Pete Carroll made mention of this week, but that's something they've desperately got to get back to because Russ can't carry this offense. That, that's been proven this year because you're not getting much help from the defense in any capacity whatsoever. It's pretty much just a level of competition. If the competition is bad, the defense looks good. If competition is good, the defense looks like they've never played a snap before in their lives. So as of right now, I'm acting as if Kyler Murray is going to play on Sunday and, and be as close to 100% as possible, so I'm giving a nod to the Arizona Cardinals. 
The Sunday night football game has the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to the L.A. Chargers. Pittsburgh moves up three spots from 15 to 12, though they should have fell after that tie. And the L.A. Chargers fall from 8 to 11. The Chargers are three-and-a-half-point favorites. And, look, I don't know what to make of what's happening right now um, with the Steelers or the Chargers in their respective situations. The Chargers, look, the the Chargers are competitive. I'll I'll start there. The Chargers are a fairly competitive team in this league. Um, They, too, play up and down to their level of competition. Um, You look at some games and feel like they have no business winning. They pull it out by a score. Case in point, the way they beat the Chiefs early this season. Then you look at games and say, well, there's, you know, they should definitely, uh, they, they should easily win this game. And they struggle. Um, you know, the, one could say that, you know, the way they basically battled back and forth with the Eagles a couple of weeks ago probably shouldn't have been that close as healthy as they were. You know, they were coming off back-to-back L's against the Ravens and the Patriots going into that game. But it was a 27-24 contest in which, you know, yeah, they didn't punt, but they looked bad early on before they turned things around late. And this game against the Vikings this past Sunday, they got down early. They fought back. Justin Herbert's playing good football. And that's about all I can say at that point. I'm not, look, you can anoint him if you want to. Remember, this is a second-year player. Okay. Um, There's not much to get excited about right now with the Chargers. So for everyone who after five weeks is like, the Chargers are going to the playoffs, they're Super Bowl bound, I say pump your brakes. You know, pause on that. They've lost three of the last four. They're going to a Steelers team, and, 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 and you know they're hosting a Steelers team coming in town off a tie last week. And, and to get to that, Ben Roethlisberger, look the best the best ability of any football player is availability, and more and more of these players probably should limit their exposure outside their immediate family and the team. Um, as far as doing whatever it is they're doing based on their commitments to charity events and things of that nature, uh, public um, showings and autograph sessions during the season, and, and, and just basically just wind it down because, look, been testing positive for COVID on Saturday and then be, being out for the game on Sunday, and he's still on the COVID list. Because if I recall correctly, Ben Roethlisberger is unvaccinated. So he may very well miss this game um, also. Not to mention, they're going to be without Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, He isn't expected to play in this game due to an illness. It's not COVID-related, but he's not expected to show up, let alone make the trip. There's got to be some type of coaching philosophy change. You've got to ride Najee Harris with this offense and yeah the the opposition would probably know that he's going to get the ball so what two tight ends jumbo formations give them the rock slow the game down get those four to six yards per run play every single play and just bludgeon the 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 chargers front again the chargers still have one of the worst run defenses in the league they're they're like bottom two. I don't know if they moved up or not, but when they played the Eagles, they were dead last. I can't imagine that in you know 
since Minnesota, they've come up some because the Eagles ran for over 200 yards against them. This is a dead last run defense. Don't let whoever suits up at quarterback in place of Ben Roethlisberger try to win this game. Just turn around, hand the ball off to Harris and the other running backs and bludgeon the Chargers up front. And the Steelers win this game. Matter of fact, that's that. I'm going to switch my pick from the Chargers to the Steelers because I believe that philosophy will work. T.J. Watt for the Steelers, hip injury. He did not practice, but he is expected to play. Chase Claypool has a toe injury. He was limited in practice. Kevin Dotson, the guard, and Joe Hayden, their corner. Um, Dotson's believed to suffer a high ankle sprain, so uh, he's questionable. Joe Hayden is considered day-to-day with a foot injury. Their other guard, Trey Turner, has an ankle injury, so he's questionable for the game as well. For the Chargers, Christian Covington, the defensive tackle, has been placed on the reserve COVID list, so he's out. Trey Marshall, Linval Joseph, Alohi Gilman, uh, they're all questioned for the game. And Joey Bosa shows up on the COVID list as well, so he'll be out along with Jerry Tellery, also on the reserve COVID list. So you got three players in that defensive front for the Chargers not want to be available for this game against Pittsburgh due to being placed on the reserve COVID list. I don't know when Pittsburgh's going to turn around, but they've got to bounce back from that tie. That could ultimately be their undoing. Mike Thomas never had a losing season uh, ever. The worst he's finished is 8-8. Eight and eight. And for people to say it was going to be impossible to finish at a 500, hey, 8-8-1 eight, eight and one is still in play. The uh, final game on the docket, Monday Night Football, the New York Giants travel to Tampa to play the Buccaneers. Uh, the Giants fall from 26 to 28 in our power rankings. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers fall from 2 to 6. The Bucks are 11-point favorites. And Jared, our Giants fan, does send us a little correspondence here. To uh, so what he says, Monday Night Football, the Giants are only one game out of a wild card spot in the NFC. Had we won those games against Atlanta and Washington when we outplayed them, we would be fifth seed in at the moment, I believe. Crazy season. Uh, the Bucks got embarrassed by Washington last week. Tommy doesn't really do getting beat by inferior teams back-to-back, so the Bucks should win this one. The Giants finally have a 50% healthy wide receiver group for the first time since week one. They're still badly beat up, though. The Giants are still missing a large percentage of their day one starters and playing with a ton of backups. They also have no business winning any football games, yet have won a few and should have won a few more. So maybe backups can win. Saquon may return this week, but it's injury issues. <laughs> but he has injury issues. Uh, lots of uh, bad luck scares me. Look for the Giants to get gashed two to three times for groupings of points before settling down each time throughout the game. The Giants will make the end score not look as bad with some junk time points. Bucks 34, Giants 22. Jared, um, with the way the Bucks got manhandled last week by Washington early on and pretty much had to come back and what basically turned out to be garbage time. I don't know if you all are going to score 22 points because there was that defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that was embarrassed last week, and I do expect them to play a lot better than they did. Tom Brady, look, say what you will about him. I won't say age is catching up. They're still leading their division. Um, I don't think there's anything to worry about. I consider that a blip on the radar. Should they have lost to Washington? Probably not. They were coming off a bye. Everyone was relatively healthy. 
still no one can put their finger on what happened last week. But this week, Monday night, all eyes on them, last game of the week. <laughs> Probably, I mean, not so much losing grip on the division as, you know, only Carolina won this past week, but not enough to make any headway with their lead currently at the moment. And the Giants, as Jared said, they're just banged up and injured. Um, more than 50% of the day, of this day one roster is on IR. So I, I don't see how the Giants come away with a W here. But the, the, this is basically Tampa's game to win or lose. You know, they, they should fully take complete advantage if they – somehow jump out 14 nothing early, which is probably what they expect to do on Washington, they eliminate Saquon Barkley in the run game. But, you know, as long as they play around and don't do what they're supposed to do, they'll keep the Giants involved, and Saquon will be a big factor. Um, I'm still picking the Buccaneers in this game. Uh, I don't think they clear 11 points, but they should handily win this. Uh, but uh, the injuries for the Buccaneers – after last week's shocking loss, include uh, Zach Trenner, their long well, Zach, long snappers designated to return. Richard Sherman uh, was officially placed on injured reserve on Wednesday, so uh, he's probably done for the year, if not the short term. They just got this guy uh, about a month ago, and it's already looking bad. Look, their their entire day one starting secondary is out, so I, I don't know how they they make things happen but smoke and mirrors with their front seven has to get the daniel jones to shut things down rob gronkowski and antonio brown are both listed as questionable along with vita via and d delaney their cornerback so uh that's the tampa bay side for the giants they have sterling shepherd listed as questionable with a quad injury uh their tackle andrew thomas has been designated to return with an ankle injury from injury reserve graham gano is going to be questionable due to an illness not covert related Saquon Barkley and Devontae Booker, their running backs, ankle and hip respectively. Uh, Saquon was taking part in positional drills on Wednesday. Booker was not in attendance for the practice. So keep an eye on that. And, um, yeah, if, if they can't provide more help for Daniel Jones, I mean, look, Daniel Jones is what he is. He's not a star in the making. He, he could be their franchise quarterback, but he's – not doing anything to impress anybody at the moment, let alone this season. So the two teams on by this week include the Denver Broncos who fall from 17 to 19 after that loss to Philly and the Rams who fall from three to seven after their destruction on Monday night against the 49ers. Um, but uh, in, in the league is a very confusing thing, especially at this time of year. You got a lot of teams who look like they're surefire bets for the playoffs and then they lose to, underdogs they have no business losing to who are probably positioning themselves for the top 10, if not the top five in the draft. Um, it should be an interesting week of games. Naturally, I'll be in front of the TV yelling at the Philadelphia Eagles. I hope you all enjoy the games this week. Again, if you want to reach out to us about anything that we said in this show, any previous show, or you just want to yell at me or any of the other correspondents, you can reach out to us via email at nextfanup at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at nextfanup. For Kevin, our Cowboys fan who had to dip early, I am James, your Eagles fan, saying so long and take care of yourself. Trying to do the challenge of finding the mysterious pod. Is there somebody else here now? Oh, jeez. Oh.
Nice, dude. Let's go. <laughs> Get out of my face. I'm running out of breath and also out of energy. I'm going to see you later. Bye.